Welcome to Splainin', the podcast where two guys explain things to each other that they should know, but don't. I'm Jeff Sims. And I'm Evan Smith. Welcome. My God, Evan. Episode five. Jeff, that was really good. I'm really proud of you. Thanks. I've been practicing really hard. <laughs> if anyone's been keeping track, I have done the intro every episode so far. So that's four. Um, so I said to Jeff today, I was like, you know what? If if we're not going to, it's it's time to either buckle down and be like, this is a thing. Evan always speaks yep. first and then Jeff speaks second. Or it's time to mix it up. Yep. We either had to double down or back off. And you know what? I'm glad we did. You nailed it. I I was I was delighted. I'm filled with energy. I'm ready. It's it's a different feeling to not speak first. It, you oh, know? Yeah. It's like when you're like like when somebody you're in a part of a show and somebody opens the show and you're like, "Okay, the energy's moving. They've mm-hmm. got the crowd going and now I can jump yeah. in." Yeah. Yeah, you kind of just feed off of them. Thanks, bud. Yeah. Oof. I'm alive, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Fun. Oh god. So um here we are. Here we are. Episode five. It's actually Episode five. I feel like we're vets now. Like, Do I feel you? like we've been doing this for so long. I yeah, you know what? It does actually feel like we've been doing it for a very long time. And and just like the exponential rate at which you learn when you were doing these things mm-hmm. is is crazy. It's like, you know, yeah. And like, especially with the editing stuff, I'm just like, I can snip and clip like you wouldn't believe. I bet you could. You can drag and cut and snip. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we don't do any cutting at all. We're perfect. Every time we record, it is perfect. And every, every show is exactly as you've heard it. The conversation happens precisely that way. Speaking of no. things we screwed up last week. Yeah. Let's, um, get, let's go straight <laughs> to where we suck. <laughs> We got a delightful message from our good friend, Kara, mm-hmm. who um, <laughs> sent us a voice memo message with speaking in a British accent, because of course, and I didn't even realize this, but two weeks in a row, one week I had done Cockney and the next week I had done the British Royal Family. So there was mm, like a, a, there was a British theme happening. Yes. Um, so I said the thing about, you were talking about wormholes and I was saying like, there's uh, no, nothing. No, 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 no. I wasn't talking about wormholes. I was talking about wormholes. <laughs> yeah. And that's our soundbite. And, and I was talking about how the, my biggest fear is like worms being inside my body and the thing about the worm going through somebody's toe. And I thought it was in Grey's Anatomy. Turns out that's not a thing. I was wrong. There is a thing about worms coming out of your toes, but I think it's just, I was just thinking of hookworm, but it has nothing to do with Grey's Anatomy. It is a thing. Like, hookworms can go up your toes. But um, I don't know why I was thinking Grey's. But as Kara pointed out, it's more likely the Kanduro fish episode I was thinking of, which is where the fish swims up the man's urethra. Mm hmm. Google it. (laughs) (laughs) That silence felt so pertinent. Oh, God. As soon as you God. say man's urethlats, <laughs> urethra, it's like, oh, God. Yeah, you don't like it. And, and now that we're talking about it, during the episode, I remember that it came up. And I sat there and I was like, you know what? There is a fish that does this. But I said, you know what? I'm not going to say it. And I stuck to it, which is why you said it. Because it's gross. And to be honest, even if you did say it, I would have been like, no, that's not what I'm thinking of. No, no, but probably not. it might have been. It's very gross. But anyways, that is a real thing. It's in the Amazon, and uh, you can order it. It arrives in three or five business days if you have Prime. <laughs> oh, and I have another very, very mild correction. Um, I, needed, we, I needed to be corrected on the correction. 
Oh. So in the f- the first episode where no, it's not as serious as you think it is. In the first episode when we talked about the um oh, I can't even remember it now, the 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 sports team, the football team, what was it? Jaguars. Jacksonville the Jaguars. Jaguars. Jacksonville Jaguars, the alliteration. Um it yes, my sister did text me and she did tell me. But it was Hillary. But no, it was Allison. Oh. But my beautiful girlfriend Catherine actually corrected me first. <laughs> Oh, doghouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the early stages of our podcast, um, because we're veterans now, but in the early, we, we would get our significant others to listen to the podcast and give their opinion, see what they thought, give us feedback. And that was the first thing she did. When she listened to it, she called me and said how stupid I was for not knowing. Um, yeah. Ouch. So give Thanks, her a little Catherine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does that make me... Uh, yeah, there is well, nothing you're worse. Equally as stupid. There is there is that line of like when your significant other corrects you on something mm-hmm. and you don't heed it at all, and then a family member corrects you, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, right," and you go to say to your significant other, "Like, oh yeah, I was talking to mom today, and she said this," and I was like, "Yeah, right, you're so right." And then when they're like, "I told you that," and you ignored me, it's like, <gasps> mm, yeah, there's an element of that that's not good. <sighs> No, the whole thing is not good. Not just an element. That entire situation is not good. Yeah, you're right. The whole situation is just bleak. Uh, Um, It is not great, buddy. So this week is send-in week. Yeah. It's like sending... Bring out your dead. (laughs) 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 Kind of. It kind of Um, was. It's it's exciting. It's like it takes a little bit of the element of like, what am I going to do this week out of it? Well, not even what am I going to do, because we do it the other way around. It's like, what am I going to tell Jeff to do, basically? Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> so we got um, a bunch of mail-ins, uh, email-ins, and, and some people who just, like, closer friends will often just text. And I'm like, can you please email this? Because the chances yes. of me remembering this are so slim. And it has to go through the board of the directors. They have to approve <laughs> this before <laughs> management can even begin to go through these things. You couldn't be more right. Um, there so is a this- process. There's a process. So this episode is um, is send-ins, and and we got a bunch. So and we we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Of rather than locking in, you know, we're going to do a send-in episode every now and then, um, because there was at the beginning of you know uh, the the podcast so long ago, five weeks ago, there was a fear that we would run out of topics um, because not- we're so smart. Because we're so smart. Not the case. But just that we would run out of interesting things or whatever, like things to really explain, or like we'd have to work really hard to find some more once we got up in higher episodes. But the sending in of things by people is so great because almost every time we read it and both of us go, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. So even though it's your sending, we can still explain it. And it's it's new and fresh to us as well. Exactly. It's twofold. One, we don't have to do any work. And B, we also don't know it. So it's great. It just epitomizes our laziness and stupidity. It's fantastic. Yep. It's really, really great. And yep. so so rather than making it formal, it's like every now and then when we're, you know, when we typically go through our channels of how to find a new topic, we're also going to be checking the emails and looking at our list of previously sent in emails and being like, maybe this is what I'm going to do this week. And it's and it's just yeah. going to be uh, just a fly by the seat of our pants, as they say. And- and we will. And not only have we gotten a lot of responses for corrections, we've actually gotten like a surprisingly large amount of suggestions for uh, topics. I was actually really impressed. Yeah, I was, I was very excited about it. I mean, like yeah. all eight people who listened sent in one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a 100% response rate. 
Exactly. Like my mom and your mom. <laughs> my mom does not listen. Who are you kidding? Your... <laughs> no. no. People like like us, right? They, they 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 like us. I like you. And I like you. Well, thank you so much. That's all I need. There we go. That's all we need. All right. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. And you know what I think we should do is also like because this sort of feels like a theme week of like, you know, sending week. I feel like mm. we should do some theme weeks in the future. Because we've yeah, got some absolutely. things on the list of like his like historical events. Yeah. So like we should do a historical event week or a like conspiracy theories, a conspiracy theory yeah. week. Yeah. Right? That one's really cool. We've we've had a lot of things of like, can you please explain this conspiracy theory to me? Or uh, I don't really understand what happened in this part of the war or something like that. Yeah. Yep. So I really like these themes. I think we're gonna run with that. Um, so please pass in more suggestions because we love it. I think it's really cool. I'm I'm all about it. I'm all about it too. Um, cool. so diving in then. Let's My topic for this week was to explain time travel in movies. Yeah. And this topic was sent in by our friend and co-worker, Keith, who was nothing but vague. In nothing his but vague. And, no. and wouldn't he, respond <laughs> when I texted no. him to be like, can you just give me an idea of like which movies in particular? <laughs> and no response. Nothing. I just dove right in. I was like, okay, I, I got this. I was excited about the topic, to be honest. Um, yeah. So I didn't really need more, but I was just like, I just wanted to make sure I hit if he was thinking of specific movies, I wanted to make sure I hit them, but I've hit a few. I think we're going to be good. Yeah. It's actually kind of, it, it encapsulates a lot of encap- encapsulates. <laughs> encapsulates. Yeah. Is it okay? Encapsulates yeah. a lot of topics from our previous episodes. You know, it does like I'm time zones in a sense, not time zones, but like time in, time, in yeah. a sense, uh, wham holes. So traveling back and forth within space time. Jeff, you're explaining mine right now. Stop. I'll I'm get sorry. There. I'm just okay. Fine, we'll cut. I thought it. I was we'll going to surprise this. you with things, but fine. apparently you're we'll just in it. on it. We'll just cut it, man. Okay. <laughs> um, I would first like to address the elephant in the room, and his name is Mr. Plagiarism. Oh, Miss, Mr. Blatant Plagiarism the <laughs> Third. <laughs> because obviously we are explaining things that are pretty objective. There are very little opinions to go around in the things we're typically talking about. It's, it's a lot of fact. Right. Mm -hmm. So very rarely we're not coming up with our own scholarly research. Right. But I just want to make it very clear that there is some severe copy and pasting going on here. Yeah. And like a lot of bullshittery, (laughs) a lot of bullshittery. And likewise, when I watch a YouTube video, which I frequently do, because I find them to actually be more of the better research to be doing. There are some brilliant videos out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I watch one and it's good, which the one I watched for this was, I literally started to just type out word for word what the guy was saying. Like, and then I would pause the video and be like, oh yeah, no, what did he say? And I would go back and type like literally word for word. And it took way too long before <laughs> I realized like, you know what? This is not a good practice to be doing. And I had you know no shame about it. What? Is there's a closed caption button in the YouTube video. You click that <laughs> no. and the subtitles come up. This is groundbreaking news to me. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I was, I was learned doing that. how to plagiarize more efficiently. Oh my God. I was doing that for a surprising amount of time before I realized what I was doing. I was like, this is not good. But mm. sometimes it's just that plagiarism is the best way to explain something. Like I'll listen to it and be like, there's no way I'm saying this more clever or more concise than he or she did. So mm-hmm. yoink. Yoink. That's mine now. That's mine now. I mean, I'm just a vessel for the information. Like I'm still doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> I still had to read all the articles. I still had to sit through the whole video and like you, Jeff, or the listeners, 
are not expected to go read everything now about this. You're you're expecting that I'm compiling the best of the best on a topic, and I'm reading it to you like a good bedtime story, and you don't have to put the work in. I've done it for you. Take giddy up now. You know? Yeah. So Let's secondly, I'm going to be delving into the plot of many of the world's iconic movies that involve time travel. Ooh. Ooh. So it goes without saying, there are some big spoilers coming your way. So I'm yep. going to try Disclaimer. and make a point. Yeah, disclaimer. So I'm going to try and make a point to always say the title first. So if you're like, oh, I really want to watch that. I don't want a spoiler. You can just yank those headphones out immediately. Well, okay. fast forward. So this is my forward. topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yank them out, you know, for the second, and then splice forward for a second. Mm-hmm. You won't know how long. I don't know how you're going to do it. Probably just listen. Or, like, just go watch all the time travel movies now, and then come back. See you next week. Um, Why don't so you just? <laughs> well, <laughs> Wouldn't it be easier for you to just tell us the movies you're going to talk about now, so that they can pause it now and then go back and watch it? There are many. All right, go on. Thank you. Here are the Cole's notes on time travel. Okay, because I thought this was a good place to touch on. So keep in mind yep. that everything I say is theoretical. So I'm not going to say like every article I read. The amount of times they said theoretical or theoretically, I'm like, just give a disclaimer at the beginning that everything you're saying <laughs> is theoretical and stop saying theoretical. Just stop holding the bullshit button the entire yeah. time. So that's what I'm doing. I'm just saying the word theoretical now. I'm not saying it anymore. So we, as people, take for granted how we travel through time. We are at a constant speed of one second per second. Which sounds very obvious and stupid. <laughs> but according to Einstein, this is not the only way to travel through time. So it's important to specify that that is a type of time travel. Right? It's just what up to now we've been able to do. So the theory of relativity states that we can not only travel forward through time at different rates by accelerating closer to the speed of light, we could potentially jump through time either forwards or backwards by constructing a bridge through two disconnected locations in space-time. Yeah. So Einstein said that space and time aren't separate. They are not two different entities, that they are inextricably linked, which is just Ooh. inextricably. I'm like, you could just say they are linked. What is the purpose of inextricably? Inextric, in, what is the word? <laughs> <laughs> inextricably. Inextricably? Inextricably. Well, now you've confused me. I know you say it loses meaning, but what is the point of that word in the sentence? You could just not leave it out and the sentence means the same thing. That's 90% of big words. Yeah, you're right. Um, the motion through time is affected by your motion through space and vice versa. So this is explained with a twin paradox. So someone leaving Earth and traveling close to the speed of light will age less than their identical twin who remains on Earth. The one who moves through space at a greater speed will experience a slower motion through time. That's crazy to me. It's true, though. This is science. This is stuff. And that sums up forward time travel. It's not complicated. You go close to the speed of light. If you return to your departure point, so say, you know, you leave Earth at the speed of light and come back to Earth, you are now in the future because you've traveled at the speed of light. Which That's crazy to me. Yep. Which is the plot of the original Planet of the Apes. These astronauts leave Earth. They crash land on a planet. The planet is overrun by apes. The apes can talk, and they have human prisoners on this planet. Mm -hmm. Flash forward to the end of the movie. All of a sudden, he's walking on the beach trying to get away, and he sees the Statue of Liberty coming up from the sand. 
So he's yeah. actually on Earth, right? So what? So it was this premise. Left Earth, traveled at the speed of light, crash landed on a planet because he traveled into the future. The planet looked so different, he didn't know what it was. It was Earth the whole time. And he didn't age because he was able yeah. to do that. Yeah, because for him, it was like, you know, days or weeks or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also uh, the, the number one error that scientists have with Star Wars is that every time a ship flips into light speed or hyperdrive, they should be moving forward in time. So if you leave Tatooine and you're going to Naboo and you flip into light speed, when you get there, you should be in the future. Uh, so this is, this is what's crazy to me. A, thank you for the Star Wars reference. You're welcome. B, um, what, like, can you travel so fast... No, you, you, you go to the future. But then technically you, you go so fast that it's almost like you went really slow, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you're traveling you go, very fast through space, but you're not traveling fast through time. You're, you, by traveling fast through space, you're traveling slower through time. Man, <sighs> mind yep. blown. Uh, but that's not the main thing. That's traveling forward. The big plot device that movie makers have been capitalizing on forever is going back in time, particularly to a fixed location. Let's go back in time. Is there some song about that? Mm-mm. No, I think there is. <laughs> um, and then there's a lot. Sure there <laughs> and then there's lots of options. So it's not as cut and dry as moving forward. So the two big distinguishing features with t- traveling back in time and fiction are one, whether or not the time traveler is there when history happened the first time. Okay. And who has free will. So there's a type of time travel called fixed history. So since time travel takes you to the past, when that past happened the first time, like you and I having this podcast right now, this is currently happening, Mm -hmm. the time traveling version of you was already there to begin with. So you can instantly jump back in time and interact with yourself. And while you're experiencing things for the first time in your history, your time traveling clone is already there doing everything you'll eventually do when you travel through time in the future. Yes. Right? So this form yeah. of time travel is very rigid and it states that time is concrete. So any attempt to alter the timeline will fail. Any changes you thought you made that were already part of history all along. But that's interesting because in Family Guy, they do that all the time. Brian and Stewie go back in time all the time. Yeah. And they are constantly aware of trying not to interact with that current Stewie and Brian and there was there was one episode when Stewie got into a fight with the past Stewie and killed him and then he took over and just relived that exact same timeline again right which is like there are there are certain plots that can follow that and others that don't so like in this case like during the period of overlap when there is two of you the time traveling you has no free will so Because it's already locked in, yeah. It's locked in what you're going to do. So, like, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which is, like, the classic time travel movie starring the one and only Keanu Reeves. He Uh, is the one and only. Bill and Ted are starting a band. Ted is about to fail a history test and be sent to military school. And then this guy, Rufus, who's a time traveler from the future, shows up and explains to Bill and Ted that their music that they eventually make is, like, the perf- it's the foundation of a perfect society in the future. And he helps them return to various points in history to make this happen. But this has already happened because Rufus has come from the future where their music is already earth-shattering. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's already happened. Everything that Rufus is doing is preconceived and has happened, and he's just redoing what has happened, right? He's just or, making sure that it continues to happen. Right, but it's like, is his... Is it a decision he's making, or is or does that he doesn't have the free will? It's it's he's already done this. It's like here's a better example: Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I was waiting for that. Where are you? So Harry, oh, thank you. You're welcome. So now we're now we're in it. So Harry and Hermione are saved from the Dementors by their time traveling selves, right? Yeah. The first time history gets to that point. Um, so Dumbledore sends them off from the hospital wing, and when they come back to the present, they watch their selves go, start the quest that they just finished. Yes. Right? There are no altered timelines, only a small period of time where two of them exist. Like Hermione throws the rock at the vase or whatever it is and smashes it to save Buckbeak. And Harry is the one who saves them from the Patronus. The yep. first time through history, all that has already happened. So yes. their, their time-traveling selves don't have free will. They're just recreating what has already happened in their first time. I guess the, the difference is, is for entertainment purposes, they make it seem like it's free will. Well, like they're just showing they're, us both. Yeah, yeah. But right? when, when, like, as an example, if we're taking the Prisoner of Azkaban, when, um, when Professor Lupin, like, when the werewolf is just about to, to kill them, and then Hermione does the... Yep. Like, Harry goes, what are you doing? She's like, I don't know. I'm trying to save us. Yeah. She's just thinking on her feet. So it appears as free will. But the reality is, is that, no, she's just truly living that timeline that already happened. Because we heard it happen the first time through. Exactly. Right? So she's just, so it's already she's happened. Just re- so it's just kind of yep. like that laid out thing. Yep. Um, I have a question, but you're probably going to touch on it. So are you going to touch on Back to the Future? I sure am. Okay, well, then I'll wait. <laughs> you know I am. So then there's the opposite of fixed history. There is new or changed history. So does the act of time traveling to the past change what happened and force the universe onto a different trajectory than the one you had previously experienced? Mm -hmm. So the concept and movie of the butterfly effect is this idea to the extreme. Great movie, right? If you kill a butterfly or make some sort of small change to the past, it can have a ripple effect and alter the entire course of history. Yep. Right? So there is one of the popular types of time travel is do-over, which follows this. So it's a popular kind of like a a new history time travel. It's like playing a video game. You can essentially start over with the knowledge of what you did wrong the first time. Like Mm -hmm. Groundhog Day. Right? So Groundhog (laughs) Day is the great use of this style. And it's actually praised by scientists for its accuracy of what a time loop scientifically would really be. Nice. Or episode two of our podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. So Bill Murray's character isn't willingly reliving the same day. He's stuck in a loop until he becomes a better person, but he retains the memories from every time he has tried. Yeah. Right? So it's a do-over sort of type of thing. Um, And now this brings us to the concept of new timeline. This is a very popular thing in time travel movies, is the the, the concept of different timelines. So, so far, it's... it's, Similar to, like, the multiverse? Yeah. Exactly like the multiverse. So... In new timelines, time traveling you wasn't there the first time around, and now you are. Right? So it's like the opposite of what we've previously just discussed. You can instantly jump back and forth to moments in time wherever you want, potentially resulting in multiple versions of yourself. So anything you do in the past, even the act of going to the past at all, redirects the course of history onto a new timeline. And this is where we hit Back to the Future. Ah, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Right? So Marty McFly goes back in time with the DeLorean and inadvertently meets his mom 
and has the hots for his mom. That's a whole other topic, which we can't go into. But for anyone who finds that that idea funny, go listen to John Mulaney's stand-up. He does a great bit about Back to the Future. Anyways, I'm not going to do it. Because I'm not John Mulaney, and we just spent three minutes talking about plagiarism, so LOL. Um, So yeah, he interferes with his parents falling in love, resulting in the timeline of history where he doesn't exist. So he starts to disappear from pictures, and even from real life, he starts to fade like his, you know, he watches his arms start to fade. Um, so he jumps through time again and corrects that mistake. But even his interacting with his parents at all results in his boring, boring parents becoming cool parents at the end of the movie. Even though the timeline itself is pretty identical to his original timeline, his parents now basically have different personalities. They went from boring to cool. Yep. Right? Uh, the Terminator follows the exact same principle. The Terminator yep. is sent back in time um, by Skynet to kill Sarah Connors because Skynet knows that Sarah's unborn son will lead the fight against them. So they're trying to alter their reality. They've already lived and groom it to what they want it to be. So they actually do would change the course of history. Yes. Right. So then there's the movie Looper, which I've never seen, but sounds deadly. Oh, it's, Evan, that's have it. Have you seen it? Oh, it is phenomenal. Yeah. So this takes it even further. So when you jump to the past, you jump onto a new timeline where the younger you now also goes back in time the same way that you did, right? At the same time, like you, you've gone, say, you know, on October 21st, you go back in time. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to September. Well, in September, there's the future you and the regular you. That regular yep. you is still going to go back in time on October 21st. But both yes. of you now have free will. Yeah, that, that movie's a little bit out to lunch. Yeah. That's great. So you don't automatically do the same things you did the first time, which is like most time travel concepts. You can do whatever you want each time around, resulting in weird things like, you know, you get new memories when your past self does something that you didn't. Or if they lose a body part on their timeline, you will as well. So changes to the present not only affect future timelines, but also future timelines that wrap back to the present. Which is yeah, like, that must be super interesting to think about. Because, like, let's take Back to the Future. Yeah. Like, when he goes back and he meets his parents and all that kind of stuff. Like, let's think of, like, 30, 40 years down the road after that narrative of the movie ends. Like, think about that person, right? Let's say he cut his knee in yep. the Back to the Future. Does that old man all of a sudden have a scar on his knee? Or is he right. unaffected by it, right? And, like, at what instant in his timeline to the timeline before happened. Like, like that's super interesting. So like, yeah. like you said, if you lose a limb, you could go to sleep one night and during the night, that timeline gets interrupted. You wake up the next morning and now you prosthetic or, you know what I mean? Like that's right. Yep. Exactly. Hypothetically, is- that's how it would work. But in the instant where it would happen, you would not only be, have the physiological change of not having the arm, leg, or whatever, but also you'd have the memory of what happened, so it wouldn't be... Do you know what I mean? Yes. In the case of Looper, yes. Not all... Like, you know, if that happened to Marty McFly, I'm not sure that's how they, they created their time travel scenario. But yes. Theoretically, yes. Um, so then there's the <laughs> indie film Primer, or Primer, I'm not sure. I don't know if you've seen that one. No. As soon as I read indie film, I'm like, no one has seen it. Um... <laughs> which takes it to the it takes it to the extreme with time travel within time travel. So time traveling characters interact with other time traveling versions of themselves, and they bring Oof. time machines with them to the past inside other time machines. 
But in, in this time, I know, but in this time travel isn't an instantaneous jump. To go back six hours, you sit in a time machine for what feels like six hours. Also, you can't go back to before the first time machine was invented, since you need to sit inside of a time machine and come out of a time machine. You don't actually travel through space. So, like, you know, if you had a time machine in your basement, oh. you come out in your basement. So, gotcha. the first like the time the machine... Cabinet. Yeah. So, the first time the machine was turned on is the farthest back in time that you can go in any given machine. Cool. I like, right? I like that concept. Yep. So, that's neat. Uh, so both options of fixed and changed history are scientifically possible according to scientists. What's clear is that good time travel must have rules. If not, there is no reason to be invested in the characters. We have to believe that the characters' um, actions have consequences to care what the characters do. Otherwise, it's just like, oh, we'll just go back in time and change it. We'll just go back in time and fix this, right? We have to, there has to be a set of rules um, for us to really know or care about the characters. But the thing that's confusing is that from movie to movie, there is rarity consistency. Mm -hmm. So we as learners and like people watching movies are constantly trying to create some sort of constant in our mind of how each time travel scenario happens. But in order to understand one, we sort of have to forget another one. Like if we're watching Back to the Future, we're like, okay, how's time travel working in this? Great, got it. And the second we watch another time travel movie where something is different, we try to compare that to Back to the Future. But it's not necessarily linked whatsoever. I think that's a perfect way of explaining it in the sense of, because time travel is technically theoretically proven and we can theoretically do it doesn't mean we have done it. So we don't truly know. And so because of that, each, um, I guess we'll call it movie or, or TV show or or book can kind of take their own narrative of what they think could be happening, what could happen in their universe and in their narrative. Yeah. Which is where the confusion comes from. Right. Yep. Exactly. Cause it's like they're, and, and as much as none of them are wrong, like, uh, you know, when I've been reading about the articles about what, what scientists say about the time travel movies, none of them are like, no, that's out to lunch. That's not possible. They're no. all just, they're just taking what we do know about theoretical time travel and going in a direction with it. Right. I really so, like that. Yeah. So perhaps one of the messiest time travel movies, according to some scientists, is Endgame, Avengers Endgame. Mm, I was waiting, I was waiting, I was waiting. Were you? Where they make use of a few time travel theories in the same movie. So this is, for me, was a big spoiler. Because I'm like, I don't want to spoil a 22-movie saga for somebody. Because for me, at the end of Infinity War, when Thanos snaps his fingers and half of everybody dies, I honestly did not know what was going to happen. Like, my mind didn't go, oh, time travel, that's how they're going to fix this. I was just like, nope, everybody's dead, this is it. Yeah, I didn't, I I honestly didn't. No. Well, you knew each one of the stones had a particular power, and you knew one of the stones was time travel. Yeah, but they don't have the time stone. No, but it and was And they also very didn't obvious. use the time stone to go back in time. No, but... Yes, they did. No, they went through the quantum realm. Had, they, um, they had to go through the quantum realm to even get the time stone. But what I'm saying is that, like, that, that kind of... Like, they knew they weren't going to put the whole glove on, have all the snow stones and unsnap their fingers. Like they knew there was going to have to be some sort of reversal. I didn't know. I know. I didn't know what they were going to do. I really didn't. Wow. Okay. Um, so Endgame goes on the premise that there are basically an infinite number of timelines possible. And they explain this pretty explicitly when Dr. Strange is meditating in that scene and he jumps <laughs> forward in time and his head is going like, and he sees all the One possible more time, outcomes. What doing? <laughs> And he sees all the possible outcomes and says that they win in one, right? And, like, yep. gives Iron Man, like, a little weird wink, and you're like, what does this mean? And then we find out, and then I yep. cried. 
Um, but but no what is knows. likely not at all possible is once the timelines are created, jumping back and forth from one to the other without creating other timelines. Well, that's why there's infinite, because there's always that nanosecond of possibility of you going from one to the other and creating something very different. Exactly. But yeah. um, they explain in the movie how they do it. And the best description I found was actually in a comment on a YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's how much of a deep dive I did. It's like, yes, I copy and paste. And yes, I pra- plagiarized, but I worked hard doing it. I read YouTube comments. Who does that? Only people who really want to drink vast amounts. Yeah, you, you got to. Or you, you got, got nutting to. to be at. That's like reading, you reading comments on like a news article. Or it's listening like, to our podcast. Or listening to our podcast. Um, so here's some scholarly writing by YouTube user Mr. Super Selenio. Um, (laughs) is that this is not a direct quote i corrected much of his grammar oh good no Um, do you have the unedited version because that would have been funnier no i don't it was literally like a full paragraph of a run-on sentence um so in endgame you have the main original timeline that we know up until the end of infinity war Mm -hmm. then they figured out how to travel back in time through the quantum realm to get the infinity stones and each year that they traveled to created, created an altered timeline. So about three or four new timelines besides the one that we already know. Tony Stark comes in and he creates the quantum GPS. So once they all go back in time and create the alternate timelines, the GPS gets them back to their original timeline, right? Which is like, sure. And then uh, Hulk and Sorcerer Supreme are having that chat in the rooftop. And they decide once they complete their goal, they'll use the GPS to return the stones back to their original timelines. So they know, okay, we're going to create a bunch of shifty old timelines, but if we bring the stones back to those timelines, we'll correct those timelines, canceling them out. So it won't make a bunch of different timelines, right? So that's Mm -hmm. all well and good. But at the end of the movie, Cap is supposed to take them all back, right? Yes. Which doesn't quite, I mean, it does happen, but it doesn't, because he stays in the altered timeline. It only comes back to the original timeline once he's old. Yes. Right. So when I was watching, old man Cap shows up sitting on the bench, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, he went back to hang out with his girl, lived his life, got old, came back to sit on the bench like thirty seconds later." But for us, or for yeah, for us, it was years later for him. But no, because this is a different timeline than where he was. It wasn't like he just like went to the past and then came and sat on the bench. He jumped timelines to go return the last Infinity Stone. Stayed in that timeline in the thirties. And live with Peggy. But in that timeline, Thanos wins. Because in every other timeline, according to Doctor Strange, Thanos wins. So he had yes. to come back to the other timeline. See my best bud Falcon, give him a shield. And whatever. It was, which is kind of irrelevant. Because by the time he gets to the bench, he's like, what, 107? He's yeah. so old. It's like, you're going to die before I don't Thanos snaps I his fingers anyway. So why even bother? Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Endgame is also a great example of the free will principle. So it's like who has free will and who is allowed to move history into a different trajectory. In most cases, except in fixed fixed history, the time travelers themselves can change history. And most of the time, those living in their first histories aren't even aware of the time travelers and can't change anything. But in Endgame, past Thanos finds out about what the Avengers are doing through Nebula, who's experiencing basically that whole looper thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Future yeah, yeah. Nebula shows up and then she starts getting the memories of Future Nebula. And then Thanos is like, oh, I can see these. And now I know what's going on. I must have won and got all the stones. 
So now he can change the course of history because he's aware of what's happening. Yes. Right? Um, but the, the best explanation of timelines is Smart Hulk, when it's like Hulk with the glasses and like the uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo face, <laughs> is Hawkeye and Rhodes are discussing just like going back. Why don't we just like kill baby Thanos and fix the problem? And then Hulk says, if you travel to the past, that past becomes your future and your former present becomes the past, which can't now be changed by your future. Which sounds confusing, but it man. makes sense. Yeah. By that logic, you can't change the past. You can only create new timelines and live in the new timeline. By going back and changing something, you've created a new timeline. Oh, 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 the existence oh, 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 you previously oh, oh, oh. lived, the original timeline, will always exist. You can't change that. You've just created a new timeline. Sure, and you would have to live in that new timeline. Exactly. So there you but, go. But having said all this... Scientifically, the number one likely way to travel through time effectively is black holes. You stop it. Uh-huh. Black holes and wormholes. Or... Wormholes. Exactly. Wormhole. 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 So if you, if you create a massive black hole out of matter alongside another black hole, this is science, another black hole out of negative mass, <laughs> which scientists can assume you must make, you can create a wormhole between the two. Separate them by as far as you want and accelerate one end of the wormhole close to the speed of light. As long as you're traveling with the accelerated end, you can step through it whenever you want, arrive at the other end of the wormhole unscathed. The other end of the what? Wormhole. Thank you. Wormhole! Wormhole! Because you've been traveling close to the speed of light, time has passed differently for you. So when you step back through the wormhole, it will be as though virtually no time passed back at home. You could travel for hundreds of years and then return to your departure point just seconds after you left. So in that sense, traveling back in time could really physically happen, according to scientists. There are only a couple of movies that stand out for scientific accuracy in time travel, and both deal with wormholes and black holes. And consult wormhole and Thank you. Cons- I saw you and consulted with Kip Thorne who is a theoretical physicist who won the Nobel Prize in physics and is known for contributions in gravitational physics and astrophysics same guy and he was buddies with Stephen Hawking and Carol Sagan of course who was the mentor do you know who Carol Sagan was the mentor of Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes, he was. Who coincidentally, I asked to explain one of the two movies to me in Interstellar, and he agreed, and he's our guest here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I would literally piss in my pants. There'd be pee everywhere. Yeah, um, that's not true. But there is a video of Neil deGrasse Tyson in three minutes explaining Interstellar and how it works. So I just watched that. I also watched that for my... Uh, black hole description, by the that way. That video? Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he exp- I felt like he explained it to me personally. He's so cool. He's great. Yeah, he's really... He's so personable and also intelligent. He's not like, glasses, meh. <laughs> you know? It's the same. Funny. Um, so he says, the premise of Interstellar, which is one of these... There's two movies, like I said, that... Scientists are like, yeah, this is like more li- than likely what's going to happen. It's Contact from like 1997, which is my father-in-law's favorite movie of all time, and Interstellar. So the premise of Interstellar is you go through a black hole and you have access to extra dimensions. So in ordinary life, Neil says we have three dimensions. So think of it on a grid. So if you're in New York City, 
and you want to go somewhere, you would give a street, an avenue, and what floor you're on. Right? So you'd say, go to 12th Street, 8th Avenue, floor 25. But also, anytime you make an appointment to meet somebody, you wouldn't give a time without a place or a place without a time. So the actual coordinates in real time, or real life rather, have four dimensions. We would also say, you know, if you're going to go meet somebody on a Friday, you wouldn't say, hey, meet you on Friday. And say, meet you on Friday at blank. Or you'd say, meet you at blank on Friday at 10 a.m. or whatever, right? You have to give all the dimensions, which is the same as space travel. And that's the concept of interstellar, is there are more dimensions and more concepts that you need to give for coordinates, right? So we, yeah. we can... So we, we are free to move around in three of our dimensions. We can move forward, up, back, down, whatever. But we're a prisoner in time, the fourth dimension. We are always transitioning from past to future. We cannot change that. But if you go into a higher dimension, um, as Matthew McConaughey does in Interstellar, Neil says that it's not unrealistic. As Matthew McConaughey does in life. Yes, in life. Yeah, man. I can't do Matthew yeah, McConaughey. Man. No. Um, Neil says it's not unrealistic that time is no longer a factor in that dimension. So you could look at time the way that we look at space. Time would be spread out for you. You could see time. You could see your trajectory of life, and you could jump in at any point you wanted to. That's pretty cool. It's pretty mind-blowing. Well, another, another way, and that's actually a phenomenal analogy, actually. Um, another yeah, not thing, mine. It's Neil's. No, another example that I, like I said during the Black Hole podcast, is that I had like, I'm not joking, about three times the amount of content on Black Holes and Possibilities that I act, than what I actually explained. Yeah. Um, and one of them was that video and talking about that deep, dark rabbit hole of time travel. Um, but one thing they explained is imagine being an ant and you're on a table. Okay? So when you're on the table you can see our three dimensions. Like you said, you have your length, width, and height. You can see those yep. things. But you're on the table, and you can't see below you necessarily. But there's a right. full depth and world and dimension underneath you that you have no perception to. It's right. that idea, is that we only can perceive so many dimensions, but there is a full one that we just cannot grasp. And because yep. of that, there's just a, that unknown. But I like your analogy better. I just thought I would throw mine in there as well. Well, it's still Neil's. Um, so that is sort of the gist of time travel in movies and time travel in general. Um, I mean, I just skimmed the surface of the body of work that is movies dealing in time travel. There's still um, the time machine, time after time, about time, the girl who leapt through time, time crimes, somewhere in time, time bandits, time cop, hot tub time machine. And those are just, <laughs> and those are just a bunch that have time in the title, uh, which is, you know, hours of enjoyment at the touch of a button. Um, so go enjoy your time travel movies. Uh, this is Evan Smith signing off. Uh, well done. <laughs> well, Mr. Keith, I hope he did a great job of explaining it to you. Well done. Well done. I enjoyed um, it. Yeah. So the topic that was passed on to me was suggested by Catherine's best friend, Katie. And Katie emailed us a couple of things and she texted me a couple of things and she texted Catherine, told Catherine, tell me a couple of things. And I said, you know what? No, honey, just put it in the email. And I said, like it says, it has to be approved by the board of the directors before it gets yep. down to us. So I said, we got to get the headquarters to get involved in it. But anyways, so uh, one of her topics that she wants explained is colorblindness. 
mm. which is it, really interesting. Um, there's a lot more to it than I thought there was. Um, and it's, it's really interesting. So Yeah, I can go out on a limb and say I know literally nothing about colorblindness. This is interesting. So if I were to say to you right now, Evan, I suffer from colorblindness, what do you think? Um, I mean, I know it's not that you just can't see colors. You don't just see black and white. But like, I remember those like in like science grade eight or science grade nine books, there'd be like numbers in these weird dots. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and the and the number would be a slightly different color than the rest of the thing, and like you'd be like, oh, it's a three, and some people were like, uh, I don't, I don't see it. Like, well, you're colorblind. Uh, yeah, that's that's really all I know. I don't know anything about it whatsoever. Interesting. So. For the longest time, I think there's, there is a little bit of confusion between um, people saying color blindness and also color deficiency oh. and having different deficiencies of color. So I've heard a couple of different uh, things. I've heard a lot of doctors say color blindness, and then I've heard a lot of doctors say it's not called, called color blindness. It's called color deficiency, right? Okay. Um, and it's just as simple as... Like you just said, you can still see and perceive color. It's just the way you see it is different than other people. And therefore, like when you have those grading grade nine books and you have those things, it's like you can't see the three. It looks like an right. eight instead. You know what I mean? Because right. the your 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 eyes and your brain perceive color differently, right? Right. Um, so first off, let's just kind of explain how the eye perceives color and how it takes it in. So if you were to go back to your grade nine science book and look at a diagram of the eye in the back of your eye is a lined, uh, thin layer called your retina. I'm sure everyone's heard that before. This is where the photoreceptors are located. If you think of your eye as a camera, the retina is where the, uh, it would be the film. So it's where the image is imprinted and received. Oh, back to cameras. Okay. Back to cameras. Here we go. Well, that's it now. I'm done with cameras, but we're moving on. (laughs) The retina also contains the nerves that tell the brain what the photoreceptors are actually seeing. So it's right at the very back of the eye before it hits the brainstem, or before it hits the um, nerve endings, which is what I just said. There are two types of photoreceptors involved in sight. There are rods and cones. Do you remember those in grade 9 science? I do not. You don't remember rods and cones? Uh, No, but I think he did track and field. No, you, you did track and field, did you? No, rods and cones. Oh, <laughs> I thought you said you didn't do grade nine science. You did track and field. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, good call. I was like, yeah, get out, get lost. Um, so with these rods and cones, rod, uh, they're the um, photoceptors in, in the eye. So rods work at very low levels of light. So we use rods to uh, work for night vision, we call it because only a few bits of light uh, can actually activate the rod. So they help us uh, kind of see in the dark, we'll call it, like at low levels of light. Um, And because of that, they have no affiliation with color vision at all, which is why at night... Oh, right. We don't see color at night. Exactly. It's kind of like different shades of gray. Shades of gray all over my head. Do you know that song? I don't. Billy Joel. Mm. The human eye has over 100 million rod cells. Holy Lord. Mm-hmm. The human anatomy is, I can't even. See, I didn't do biology in high school. And therefore, 
I mean, I just did, wasn't interested. I would rather do physics and chemistry any day. You'd but, rather do track and field, but I'd rather do track and field. Or, but it, I do find like when someone says these kind of like tidbit and facts to me, I'm like, that is mind blowing. It's mind blowing when we talk about like the millions. Just wait. I have more mind blowing things for you. I'm excited. One in particular, but anyways. Um, so the other um, little fun friend, uh, the cone, it requires more light for them to be active, and therefore they are being used for color. Okay. Okay. So cones are the sole responsible, uh, I guess, photoreceptors for perceiving color. There are three <laughs> types of cones in your eye. Blue, green, and red. They're the main colors. Okay. Interesting. So not the yeah. primary colors. Is blue, green, and red not primary colors? Primary colors are yellow, blue, and red. Yeah, well, blue, green, and red are the three cones. That's weird. That Isn't it? That. Uh-huh. Because primary colors are like, you know, the colors that you blend together to make That's other blue, things. green, and red. Blue, green, and red. No, no, no. Yellow, blue, and red. Because yellow mm. and blue make green. Mm, no. Yes, I made it. I'm 100% positive. And yellow, and yellow and red make orange. So those are yeah. the primary colors. So it's weird that green is one of them. I don't know. I don't, I, I, That's I don't fine. Know. You, you keep talking. I just Listen, I, I didn't make the human body, green. nor did I make I, the primary <laughs> colors. <laughs> Stop attacking God? me. God. <laughs> um, so anyways, is that sorry. you got us me, Margaret? <laughs> <laughs> I got a bone to pick with you, honey. <laughs> I think that's a book, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> At least we're having fun. Uh, so there, <laughs> there are three types of cones. There's blue, green, and red. Um, the human eye has only six, up to six million cones. Only. <laughs> only. But that's, that's versus the hundred million rod cones cells oh well if yeah fair point yeah uh many of these are packed into the fovea which is a small pit at the back of the eye which helps with the sharpness and detail of image which is why also like when shades of gray and black you don't have a lot of sharpness that usually comes a color okay shades um, of gray I, I already did that buddy <laughs> <laughs> i know um so each cone is responsible for realizing different wavelengths of light and therefore perceiving the color. So with color, um, all it is is just wavelengths of light. We talked about a lot of like, you know, speed of light and stuff like that. So with light, light will also travel at different wavelengths. So different color mm. of light and different wavelengths can travel differently as well. So the human eye sees color over wavelengths ranging roughly between 380 nanometers and up to around 740 nanometers as well. I have no idea what that means. All I know is that that's the scale. Yes, Evan, you have a question. I do have a question. Do we see, are, are certain colors different speeds? I don't know. Okay, very good. They're just different wavelengths. Now, they describe but is, the it, is a wavelength a speed or is a wavelength like a... No, length, nanometers. They're in nanometers. Right, 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 right. Okay. It's not but nanometers it's, per minute. Nanometers no, it's not, per the, it's not the speed at which it comes to your eye. Okay, yeah, yeah, go on. No, no, it's just the length of the actual wavelength. 
Yeah. Right? As far as I know, they travel the speed of light, which is faster than you, even though you did track and field instead of biology. <laughs> so... <laughs> I was really fast for the first lap, but endurance is not oh, my I, thing. I'm no, a sprinter. I yeah, I'm a sprinter. Sprinter at heart. Yeah. Um, so at the lower end of the spectrum of 380 nanometers, you're going to get your violets and up around and into the blues. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you get to the higher end of the 740 plus, you're going to get your reds. Now, I couldn't find a consistency of like, where does the human eye actually tap out at? I've heard different things because I think people are different. Right? Right. I think if you I think if you look at the the furthest spectrum that a person can actually see, uh, it's going to be in that 380 to 740. There are lots of species out there and organisms that can see wavelengths of light below 380 and above 740. We, like we talked about dimensions, can't perceive it. We can't take it in. They weren't creative with how what they named those wavelengths. There are short, medium, and long wavelengths. <laughs> Right, right. They, they weren't creative. So short wavelengths, or we'll call them the blue cone receptors, range between 380 nanometers and 490 nanometers. So that's how short those, those uh, nanometers are, the wavelengths are, that create your kind of blue colors. Okay. The medium wavelengths range between 450 and 640, and they create your greens. Then the long wavelengths range between 510 to 740, and they create your reds. Now, the thing that's super important here is that when you go back and listen to the 380 to 490, 450 to 640, 510 to 740, they overlap one another, right? Which gives you, like you uh, said, blue and yellow equals green, or like whatever the you know thing is. What like was that when song? You, Can you sing that one more time? Blue and yellow equals <laughs> Okay, go on. Yeah. So uh, when, because the cones and the receptors and the wavelengths overlap one another, that's where we get the varying degrees of color, and that's where you have your different shades and stuff like that. And since they overlap, this is where the deficiencies come into play. So with the combination of all three of those cones and the rods, which are your blacks and your grays and stuff like that, you can formulate the full spectrum of colors. Okay, the wavelengths that the cones pick up overlap, and that is where you get all your shades. Okay, when you have uh, color deficiencies, you have deficiencies in one of those three cones. Okay, mm. the, um, and that's kind of where you have those classic, like you said, you open up that book and you see the different colors, and you don't see the different colors. Right. So they aren't because- blind to color. No, they are. They they are misinterpreting certain colors. Exactly, and there's different reasons for that. Okay. So, as a statistic, one in every 12 men are colorblind. Wow, that's higher than I thought. And one in every 20 women are colorblind. There's always less women. Always less women, uh, because they're better than us. Smarter, they've and got have a, better they, eyes. And they've also got a lot to deal with. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Go on. <laughs> 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 Do you know what they have to deal with? Your dumbass. Women have to deal with you. Poor Tiffany has to deal with you and your <laughs> Thomas foolery. That's what that's what Tiff and women got to deal and, with is you and childbirth. Yes, and, and periods. Yeah, that sucks too. Bye. Yeah, and menopause, and that too. Oh God, it's a but more lot. importantly dealing with us. 
and our nonsense. Yeah, on top of all of that bullshit, also dealing with us. I'm like, we're yeah. going to go make a podcast. Can you we're take gonna care spend of everything. <laughs> Can you make supper and take care of the child and the dogs while I go talk to my friend and... <laughs> That's shocking, but totally true. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, the reason why there is it's more men than women is because it is passed down genetically. The most common forms of color blindness and color deficiency is through genetics. Okay. Oh. And it is actually traveled through the X chromosome. So when you look at females, there's two X chromosomes. When you look at males, there's an X and a Y. So women are almost always carriers or can always be carriers, even though they are not colorblind. Whereas males, if they have it, they have it. Um, so outside of the genetics, there's also um, things that can, uh, other things that can cause color blindness and color deficiency, which is obviously physical damage to the eye or optic nerve, glaucoma, diabetes, um, macular degeneration, cataracts, uh, simply aging can also cause it or oh, contribute wow. to color vision problems. Not only do you get cold when you get old, Evan, you lose the color too, buddy. Oh, God, Ugh. depressing. Gray and cold, age, your future. It sucks the vibrancy out of your life, literally. Oh, God, where's Peter Pan when you need him? Uh, <laughs> also, <laughs> also a, lot, a, a lot of toxicity things can do it as well, um, as well as medication can, can change it as well. When you look at the very obvious definitions of color blindness and color deficiencies, uh, it's through the genetic means. It's simple through testing, like that grade nine science book test. Um, when you get into the more serious things, you get into really weird scenarios, and uh, we can go into a couple of those right now, okay? We certainly so, can. And we will. Good. Thanks Go out. for your permission. The colors we perceive are determined by the eye's cone cells and the information they relay to the brain, like I said before. People with normal vision they are trichromatic, which means all three cones and all three cone types, the red, green, and blue, they're all working at normal, okay? People with average cone cells, they're sensitive to all three primary wavelengths of light, and they're able to see the full range of colors, okay? Right. All three of them working full gauge, Yeah. okay? A color vision per, uh, deficiency happens when a person is missing either certain cells, cone cells, so out of those 6 million, they're missing a few, when the cone cells aren't functioning appropriately or when they distort the perceived color. So there's three main types of deficiencies. Well, actually, sorry, there's not three. There's actually four. Red, green, blue, yellow. Then there is, well, let me see if I can try to pronounce this. <laughs> Bilgeung chromatopsia. Hold on. <laughs> Bilgeung chromatopsia. Or mono or monochromacy. Monochromacy. There. Bilgedung chromatopsia or bilgedung chromacy or monochromacy. I want you to smell it, but I also don't want to to listen to it. I got you. Bilgedung chromatopsia or bilgedung like b b i l d u n g. No, no. Bilge b i l g e. Bilgedung chromatopsia. Bilgedung chromo chromas chromacy or. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you nailed it. I think you got it. Ah, uh, I can be a doctor. Anyways, I'm gonna explain those those couple of types of disorders and deficiencies. Okay. Okay. So red, green, and yellow, blue, or blue, yellow vision deficiencies occur 
on two different levels, which is um, trichromatic, which means all three cones and types are present, or dichromatic, where you're missing a cone or there's something going on with the cone. So there's always two levels of those, okay? So when we look at the green version, you're going to laugh at me again because I'm well, a couple beers deep. Um, <laughs> deuteranomaly. Deuteranomaly. Oh, deuteranomaly. <laughs> <laughs> Had only two cones. And we're back oh, to God. cats all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm just going to call it green because I'm not going to say what it's actually called. But it's found, right. it, it is the most common one. Okay. okay. And it's found in about 6% of the male population. Okay. It's trichromatic, which means all of the three cones are there, but there is a reduced sensitivity to the green wavelength. So the wavelength of the one that picks up the green one. Okay. People with that may commonly confuse their reds with greens, their bright greens with yellows, their pale pinks with light gray, and light blues with lilac. In more severe cases and less common, uh, there's also the dichromatic version of it, which is deuteranopia, which occurs when the green receptor cones are missing altogether. So you're missing that cone. It's gone. She gone. She darted on. They can only perceive between two to three different hues, which means they can only they 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 miss that green altogether, and it just kind of fades in within different variances of those other colors gone all together but that only affects one percent of males wow yeah um and that like i said is will oftentimes be linked to heredity okay yeah so like i said which each one with each one of these there is the uh trichromatic and the dichromatic which means all three cones are there but one is dysfunctional or it's missing the cone altogether and therefore the other ones have to pick up with it there's the red which is protonomaly and it's the exact opposite of what i just said it affects the red one instead of the green one it's even less more it's even less common than the other one it affects about one percent of males um people with protonomaly uh may confuse black with shades of red some blues and reds or purples dark brown with dark green and green with orange okay for hang on for a second so like looking at what i'm looking at right now like you are on my ipad there's yep. a mic stand, which is black. You're wearing a T-shirt, yep. which is black. You're wearing pants, which are black. Your couch is black. There's a Star Wars picture behind which, which is black. I would see all of that as red. Well, I, it wouldn't be like a, vi- like, a, like a bright, vibrant red, but it would come off as a shade of red. So remember how I said there's wavelengths and they overcross one another? Yeah. If you were to look at a graph, okay, like a horizontal graph, and you see those wavelengths come through from 340 to 7... Four, or 380 to 470, whatever said that number was. What ends up happening is, is that in these red and green and blue and yellow deficiencies, those cones kind of slide closer. So the blue comes a little bit too close to the green. So your, your eyes can't differentiate green from blue. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Or from red from green or whatever the deficiency is. It just kind of, the eye doesn't split it up in numbers. It just sees it all as one. And so, like, you know how you have different shades of red? You can see so many different ones, right? Yeah. Um, Your eye just sees, takes the green and turns it into a shade of red a little bit, right? And it can't differentiate what we would see as red as green or black or red or yellow, whatever the differences are. Do you know what I mean? 
It's wild. It's really wild. It's wild. And that's because all those cones aren't working uh, efficiently. Uh, And then similar to the other one that we just spoke about a second ago, there's also the dichromatic version of that, which is protonopia. And it's the dichromatic form. It's caused by the absence of the red wavelength cone. Pure reds look black altogether. So that is 100% like you said. dark. Just like anything that was red, black. Done. Black. Purples look like blue. Oranges appear to be like a muddy yellow. Um, I mean, isn't orange just really a muddy yellow? Who's kidding? Who's kidding who? (laughs) (laughs) Both conditions are hereditary, and they are also linked to gender, predominantly affecting males. Right? Interesting. So both of those are going to be your most common versions of color deficiency and color blindness. So if someone comes down to you, comes down straight and says, hey, I got, I'm colorblind, statistically speaking, they, uh, they either have the uh, protonomaly or they have old dude anatomy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, like green or the red, which means a deficiency right. in the red or green cone. Either it's not quite working well enough or it's gone altogether. Make sense? Yep. Total. When we move to the next version, there is the blue and yellow, which is uh, another color vision deficiency. And that's called tritonomaly. And this is a more rare color vision deficiency affecting the sensitivity of your blue cones. So the red and green, uh, they're more common to be affected. I do not know why. They just are. Right. Yeah. Okay. The blue one is not. A f- is not. Um, when the blue one is affected, it affects about one in every 10,000 people. It occurs in both men and women. Uh, and similar, uh, what ends up happening is people who have tritonomaly most commonly confuse blue with greens yellows with purple or violet and you you have your classic dichromatic version of that as well where you have tritonopia uh which is the total absence of the blue um cone altogether as the exact same thing uh blues look green altogether yellows and oranges seem pink purples look like a deep hard red um and although (laughs) a deep hard red i like i'd like my walls to be colored like a deep hard red eggshell that's how I like me wine, a deep, hard red. Deep, hard red. Um, this is also hereditary, but this condition can also have other causes as well, right? Okay. Like when you see that, it's all, it could, you could have other underlying issues, diseases of the eye, toxicity things, blah, 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 blah. Uh, then you have the bilge dung chromatopsia or yep. the bilge dung chromacy. Bilge dung chromacy. Um, this is <laughs> so. Remember how I said earlier that the rods have a hundred million to six million in terms of the cells in the in the eye. Yes, in, in the retina. Uh, so in this particular situation, it's where it's the other way around. It's where you have way more cones than you have rods. Oh, yeah. Um, it's super, 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 super rare. I don't have a statistic for you, but like it's almost like it almost never happens. But you know, it there are the few cases that happens, and it creates the uh, very drastic contrast. So, have you ever been on your computer or your phone and you can put things in negative? Have you ever seen that before? That's called negative. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and like everything just shifts, and it's like this super super weird. It's like opposites kind of thing. White, I, I, whites become blacks. Yeah, I don't know how other to describe it than to describe it that yeah. way. But that's how it's yeah. described. It almost Fire. your vision goes negative. Yeah, which is really scary. Like an inverse of your normal vision. Exactly, and colors can be distorted or even present themselves yeah. with dark outlines or gray trims. It is right. extremely rare. It was discovered or at least um, f- uh, brought out by Fred. Bilge dung. Okay. Yeah, makes Bilge. a little bit more sense. Bilge dung. For sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, and then there is the last one, which is um, monochromy. Oh, Jesus. Monochromacy. <laughs> monochromacy. <laughs> Anyways, um, monochromacy or achromatopsia uh, is called your total color blindness. Okay. And that is your classic black and gray okay really uh, people con- have yeah. that yeah it's having oh. mostly defective or non-existent cones causing co- a complete lack of ability to distinguish colors people with these forms of color blindness see the world in varying shades of gray extremely rare shades these- of gray <laughs> <laughs> wherever <laughs> i go these conditions are often also associated with light sensitivities, poor vision as well. And they also are known, here we go, hang on. They are known as autosomal recessive achromatopsia. Yep. Yep. Nailed it. Right? Um, and that's the last one. So, um, and that's, like I said before, it's complete black and, or, uh, black and gray, black and white kind of thing. You're seeing all different shades of gray. It's because your cones are either not working at all or they're non-existent. Okay? Sure. Does that make sense? Are you with yeah. me? Yeah. I didn't think anyone had that. Uh-huh. Actually, I saw a video once. It was like one of those like feel-good videos. And I, it was some guy who was colorblind. And I don't know whether he had that or what he had. But he was severely colorblind and somehow put on these glasses mm-hmm. that like severely corrected. I don't know if they made him give him normal vision, but they severely corrected the colorblindness. They, and he looked, he looked at an image and was like, and he just started to cry. I think no. So that's someone who was completely blind and then was able to see. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm thinking yeah, of. But yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm talking of a, a video. I mean, yes, I'm sure those videos exist of someone who's blind. But I'll, no, no, no one who is blind <laughs> puts on glasses that can see. <laughs> They're blind. What are you talking haven't, about? Haven't you seen like Mike when the kid puts on the basketball shoes and then he can play like Michael Jordan? It's the same thing. That's a movie. In real life, no one puts on glasses and goes, I was blind, but now can see. Amazing Grace, how sweet are ye? (laughs) (laughs) But no, no, no. There's a guy who's colorblind, so like he doesn't see anything color wise. Mm -hmm. Puts on glasses. I'm gonna look it up eventually, and then can see colors. And he starts to cry because like he's never seen a vivid picture like he's looking at. Yeah. So to that, there are some corrective lenses that can help a little bit with that but it's not as simple as being like okay you just need this minus one and plus no, two yeah. five like that's not it um depending on the deficiency and what caused the deficiency they can work towards trying to find a solution um right. but most of the times it just can can mildly change it 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 never ever corrects it completely but if you are fast enough to discover it like if you're there with harrison and you're like hey harrison get me that yellow sock 
And he's like, all right, bye, Dad. And he comes back with a red one. And you're like, uh-oh. If you can discover it early enough, then um, there's actually teaching methods. And teachers are actually trained to be able to teach kids with color deficiencies and colorblind so that they can actually adapt to the world accordingly. And they can actually, there's little tricks and little things they can do to try to uh, work around it. They'll never be able to correct the actual thing, but there's ways that they can look at a color and be like, okay, so there's something about this that I remember that these people are calling a different color altogether so that they know it as that. Do you know what I mean? Well, yes, yeah, like a, it's a learned thing. It's like I, to yeah. me, this looks the same as this. There's an aspect of it that's different that I know most people will call orange. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So there's there there's always that. And so if if like I said, if it's caught early enough, uh, where you can teach the kid that, hey, listen, no, this isn't actually it. You're a dummy, and then just change it. Anyways, it's kind of cool. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So Evan, I hope you learned a little bit about color blindness, color deficiencies, and Katie, I hope you learned lots as well. I learned everything about it. As I said, I knew nothing about it. The real question that I have for you. Yep. Was there bullshit? Oh. Because I didn't call bullshit on yours because they were all movies that I knew. And when you explained that there was like two movies I didn't really know. So I was like, I'm hesitant to pull the bullshit button. On the other ones, I did know the movie. So I knew there wasn't really any bullshit. For the first week since we've introduced bullshit, I had no bullshit this week. Oh, wow. Yep. Interesting. Um, and I did it intentionally. I didn't forget about it. I just didn't include any. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that you've asked me makes me think there definitely was, because you there want was, me to point it out. Well, there was some bullshittery, and you didn't pull the bullshit button, which means I'm the bullshit artist. No, 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 no. I get an opportunity. No, now that no, I no, know no, no. You're supposed to, no, you're supposed to call it out. You're supposed to call it out when it happens. You know the rules. It got passed That's down not, by no, the there board are no of directors. Rules. No, the board of directors passed it down. You got the document. It was I am last week. 50% of the board of directors. <laughs> <laughs> so let me think. Now that I know there is bullshit. Uh, no, I, don't, I really don't know. I didn't know there was bullshit. Okay, yeah, well, there definitely was bullshit. Um... <laughs> Think about the word I couldn't pronounce the most, and that's because I made it up, which is no. ironic. It's you made ironic up a whole because, word. Well, I mean, I made it up, but you think that would be the word I'd be able to pronounce the best? But I made I mean, it up I guess. so ridiculously that I couldn't even remember how to pronounce it. Bilge dung chromatopsia, where the where the where the cones outweigh the rods, and you see things in the negative view on like the computer. You made up bilge dung chromatopsia? So bilge is a synonym for bull, and dung was- is a synonym for shit. Bullshit chromatopsia. <laughs> but wait, but wait, but wait. What about the guy whose last name was bilge dung? Oh, you mean Fred bilge dung? You mean the person you made I made it up? up? <laughs> yeah. No. Bilge dung. <laughs> um, see, once you hit the part about. Fred, I was like, oh, well, that completely legitimizes the bilge dung oh, philosophy. Fred is obviously a really, really yeah, yeah. real person. Yeah, obviously they've named these philosophies after Fred. Bilge dung. Do you know what's do you know what's funny is that I asked Catherine right before this episode started, hey, can you help me with first name? That sounds kind of bullshitty. And when I think of bilge dung, it sounds a little German. So can you think of a French uh, like a German first name? She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, Fred. Fred bilge dung. Great. 
I mean, yep, so bilge yep. is synonymous with bull and dung is shit. So there you go. Bullshit chromatopsia. You can never use that again. Well, I will. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's good. I'm glad no one is living with that. No, that would be terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the it, end buddy. of this episode. That's it. Episode uh, five, done. Episode five, done. It feels like an anniversary episode. We want to thank uh, you know all those who have been here with us from the beginning. The, the <laughs> listeners who have listened from episode one to now who didn't give up after episode one and think, this is garbage. I'm not listening to the next few episodes. They stuck with it. And they're Thanks, still mom. My, <laughs> Thanks, mom. They're still not really impressed, but like, you know, they need something to do because, hey, we're in a pandemic. And that's, that's mm-hmm. what we're capitalizing on. Yep. So thank you to you. Thank you to, uh, thank you to Comic David for our graphics. We haven't thanked him in a while, but it's worth noting because he's just so good and so lovely and so wonderful. I don't think he's listened yet. So we can call him on that very soon. And we will. Uh, thank you to BFL. What a bilge dung. What a bilge dung. Thank you to BFL for our theme song, which I really get so much joy from every time I edit it into the episode. And, and I know time. they're listening because one of the members of BFL commented on um, the video that I posted of Harrison saying, you got some splaining. You got some oh, splaining to do. You got some. You got, yep. One of the members commented and said how ah. cute Harrison was. Uh, so I know they're listening. I feel so accomplished. I mean, they listened to at least one episode and liked the Facebook page, which even so is still an accomplishment. So thank you to them again. So much joy. Um, those are the thank yeah. yous. Go on, Jeff. That's it. Perfect. Um, so also, like we've mentioned before, we're still running with our social media. So please go like and follow all of our pages on Facebook and Instagram at the Splaincast. Um, something that we also want to promote very heavily is for you to rate us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, through Anchor itself. Make sure you rate us. For anybody who doesn't know us personally, we want to make sure we get our names out. So to do that, make sure you rate us, like, and support us through our social media. If you would like to send us a comment, if it's a criticism, it can go right to our junk mail. We don't care. Uh, if you would like to give us an idea for a future episode, we are delighted by that. If you would like to give us a compliment, we are even more delighted by that. And we'll and tell we our moms all about it. So you can send that right to info.splainin at gmail.com. We hope you learned something this week. And if you didn't, there's always next week. Monocrome. 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 It's a mon- monogamy. It's a monopoly. Monocromopoly. I don't want to say it anymore. Uh. You got it the last time. You're good. Okay, whatever. <laughs>